Welcome, creative world. So glad you guys found your way over to us. You're listening to Crew Call, a show that explores the world of the entertainment industry and production's crew members. We explore topics and stories from early life before production to the end goals and the in-between. My name's Harlan Ray, and on our pilot episode, we're kicking it off by hanging with none other than production assistant and coordinator turned industry writer, Amanda Brewer. Amanda has worked on CBS's Bob Hart's Abbey Shola, The Neighborhood, Netflix's Dad Stop Embarrassing Me, among others. She's been involved in acting, wardrobe and costumes, coordination, and office and stage production. Her experiences have spanned across six years of combined work in the industry. Let's hang. What's up, Amanda? Hey, what's up? What's up, Ray? What's up, everybody? How you been doing? I mean, it's good. I'm, I'm just sitting up here, chilling. Laptop side, because <laughs> <laughs> you're not finding a gig. If I can go all the way back to the beginning with you as a young Amanda, how did, well, first off, where are you from and how did you get started? Like, was there a spark, an emotional connection, something you saw on a film or TV? Like, why this industry? Why Hollywood? Great question. Um, I'm, I'm from Michigan. You know, shout out to the Midwest. Shout out to Werner's Pop. Yes, we still call it Pop. Um, what really sparked me was my family were, you know, they were big casino goers. Uh-huh. And we would always go up to this casino. It's called Soaring Eagle. Um, shout out to Mount Pleasant, Michigan. <laughs> At any rate, you know, my, my other cousins, we were kids. We were about nine-ish, ten-ish. You know, they'd be in the arcade game room, gaming it up. Right. My mom, grandmother, my aunt, uh, my stepfather at the time, they'd be gambling it up. Soren Ego had a big, like, theater. Um, they had a, you know, big screen. I'd say maybe 12 or 13 seats. So it was big to me because I was a kid. Um, and I remember watching The Sandlot for the first time. Oh, I love that movie. Me too. It's a classic. Absolutely. And I remember looking at it and just, you know, just looking at all the characters who are just truly characters and truly kids, just like how we grew up, you know, playing outside all day and night. Um, and yeah. that that's what really struck me. I was like, I don't know how they made this come together or who how this happened, but I need to be a part of it. I don't know how they made all this happen in this movie, but I want to do this. And I don't know where to begin, but that's what sparked it. So Sandlot, that what? So how old were you? I had to been maybe eight, nine. Yeah, nineties kid. We'd go up there a lot, like every weekend. So how many times have you seen it? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I, if I said a hundred, I'd probably be capping, but it's probably more than that. It's probably way wow. more than that. Yeah, I've seen it a lot. You've seen the Sandlot more than a hundred times. Have more than a hundred because then we would come back and play it at my grandma's and then it would play all night kind of thing. Or if I was going to a friend's house, they would have it. Wow. I had it at my mom. So yeah, I've seen it too many times. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I, in my entire existence, I've ever even come close to seeing a movie that many times. I have favorites and I've seen movies multiple times, but not that many. <laughs> When you go back and you rewatch The Sandlot, like, like, so you watch it for the first time and when you go back and you see it for the second, third, tenth, you know, 56th, <laughs> did that movie magic element die? Like, did you get, did you kind of start seeing like, 
did you start picking up on like editing or cuts? Right. Or did you, were you still engaged with the film each and every time you watched it? I started to pick up more on the editing and cuts and still being engaged in it. Cause as a writer, I'm just all about the detail and the story. Um, but I started to notice the cuts, even with that scene where, you know, the big dog, why am I forgetting the breed of the dog? At any rate, I want one. I've been wanting one. I used to be terrified <laughs> of it, but you know, there's this scene where, um, what's the characters in my, it's not Marty. No, it's Alan. Yeah. Yeah. I know all these characters, <laughs> all these characters' names. <laughs> it might've been Benjamin, um, one of them, but they, you know, threw the baseball over the, um, the fence and you know, that dog, they were trying to get it. And the dog was on the other side. I just noticed the cuts within that. I'm like, Hmm, how'd they do that? Did they get that all in one shot? You know? Right. <laughs> is that dog really that mean? <laughs> that animatronic is such an asshole. <laughs> okay. So fast forward a little bit. Sandlot was the moment where you realized that you wanted to be in the industry. I think the moment for me was the, the Disney, the Friday night Disney era. Like Disney used to have some bangers on Friday night, some bangers. They had, you know, Smart House, um, The Luck of the Irish. I mean, they had all sorts of movies and I was an only child um, on my mom's side. So the TV was literally my best friend. It's been on my entire life. And I used to, it's kind of sad when you kind of think about it, but I used to be like, I wish I could just live in there. Like with all the, I used to think the characters lived in TV. I did. I was that kid. But I think that as I got older, that's what really drew me in to want to go after this TV world and film world, because I was just always so drawn to it. And it's always just been there for me. Yeah. Did you have like an emotional attachment to it as well? Because I know sometimes like you meet, artists or actors and there's also like a personal emotional connection and if i'm digging too deep it's okay but um you don't have to no we can take it there we can take it okay we can take it there (laughs) but like you know what i mean there's that there's that raw emotional attachment to their art form was was that ever the case with you absolutely that was definitely the case i mean you know kind of being a latchkey kid coming up and um, going through childhood trauma back in the day when I was younger, that TV, you know, was my best friend. Just like I said, it, it watched me cry myself to sleep. It watched me laugh from my gut. Um, it created a space where if the family was arguing, um, it created that soft space to where we didn't even have, you know, words to say. The TV filled that space for us. Um, my late grandmother who passed away, even in those moments leading up to her death, when I, you know, didn't have the words to soothe her in those moments, that law and order took that place. And it, you know, it created that bond for us over 20 years and it played all the way up till she died. So it, TV is really big for me. It's almost like a, a, I don't want to say bubble, but, um, kind of a like a safety cushion. It was like a safety cushion for you. Yes. Definitely. Definitely. It it created um a source of peace, most definitely. Wow. Yeah. So that makes sense why you would gravitate towards wanting to do that for a living. Definitely. And it's also, you know, can be very 
profitable. So that's always a good thing too. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and you know, after the strike, there, there's hope. There's <laughs> right. hope for a better wage. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, well, you know what? Let's keep kicking the the old can down the road. So uh, fast forward a little bit more. Um, when did you finally decide to move out to the West Coast? It was the top of 2019. I had been teaching. Um, I taught theater arts in an inner city school. Shout out to Pleasant View, um, which later turned into Dwight Rich, a charter school. Okay. Um, and I remember telling the kids, you know, follow your dreams. And I realized I wasn't doing the same thing for me. So I'm like, you know what? I need to, I need to make that leap. So I, you know, I didn't have much money at the time. I think I moved out here with $500. Luckily I had a sister who lived out here. Um, shout out to Felisa. And, you know, I said, sis, you know, I want to move, you know, I want to move out there. I had been saying it for like two years and everybody's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> oh yeah. I was yeah. like, no, I'm serious. I, I do. I want to move out there. And she was like, you know, you always can come here. So I was blessed to have that. Came out here, $500 and literally a dream and made it happen. Awesome. Yeah. Struggled like crazy. The struggle's real. No kidding. For those who are listening, but it's worth it. It's worth it. I, I wouldn't go back and change anything. I like that. It's worth it. That's, that's important for, I think, um, people to know because it's hard. It, it's, it's hard, you know, just the decision to decide to, you know, make that leap. Yeah. Just to even move, let alone come out and try to, you know, make it in the industry, which, you know, for a lot of people is far fetched, you know, people, a lot of people have the, you know, the funny thing is, is a lot of people have this dream, but they never do it because it is difficult. It is it is so difficult. And, you know, you think I was, you know, kind of naive in that sense. I'm just going to come out here and walk right in the writer's doors. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Laugh because you know, you know, you know how it goes, you know. And uh, I remember coming out here having that same thought. I, um, my first week I was out here, I was shadowing the writer's room. Um, uh, one of a CBS show I essentially ended up working on. Um, at the time I'm like, Oh, I'm in here, you know, like I'm, I'm in the midst of all the writers, them doing their weird and quirky things, me doing my weird quirky thing, even getting a pitch or two out. Um, the end of the week had came and they were the head writer or the showrunner rather was like, um, yeah, you know, wait, where are you supposed to be? <laughs> <laughs> so that was a reality check. So it, it, there's definitely, there's definitely a hierarchy and a vibe in a writer's room. And if you overstay your welcome, you know, you will know. Um, so I definitely overstay my welcome um, a day too many. <laughs> um, and then after Do they the, let you know that? They, they have their people, their assistants let you know that, you know. Yeah, okay. You know, you're not part of the production yet. Uh, so, yeah, you know, it was fun. It was, let's wrap the cords up. We enjoyed your time. I think you got everything you needed to learn. <laughs> <laughs> the coffee's cold. <laughs> yeah, the coffee is cold. Um, you're taking, you're actually in my chair, you know, which is a problem. 
Uh, you've been in it Baby. all week. <laughs> all week. All week. Thinking that I can just, you know, giggle my way into a chair in there. <laughs> and that was not that was not the case. Um, so then reality set, you know, and for anybody, like I said, who's thinking about do it, you should do it. Um, but it is tough. You will have moments where you're like, damn, like, what am I doing? You know? Yeah. Should I go home? I lived in Atlanta uh, prior to moving out here for about a year. And I just wasn't, it wasn't as easy to break in because Tyler Perry is really the only camp out there. Okay. And I just wasn't as passionate and as driven as I was when I came out here. And I knew I had to be, I knew the one thing for me was I'm not going home. I don't care what I have to do. Um, and I, you know, I hustled, I struggled. I lived in my car for like maybe six months. Wow. Um, I worked odd in jobs. I'm a hell of a, I can clean a car. I was a detailer. Um, I, you, if you need a job, you can always walk into a dealership ready to go dressed, businessed up <laughs> resume in hand, asked to work for the BDC department. You'll get a job the next day. Um, so you just learn different hustles and facets. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to, you know, on my journey of finding and trying to break into the industry, I was fortunate enough to walk onto sets that were on location. One specific set I happened, I was blessed enough to walk into was the show called You that's on Netflix. I met a dope person. Her name is Amanda, just like me. Um, she was one of the EPs on the show, still is. I said, you know, I walked up to her. I actually walked up to a gentleman before her. I want to say his name was like Brian. Um, he was like, what are you looking to do? I said, I'm a writer, but I, you know, I really want to just learn and, sh- and shadow and study. I want to, do you guys need any help? I can lift some cables. I, I've never lifted them before, but I can, you know, like, <laughs> right, <laughs> and he walked right, me, yeah. <laughs> he walked me <laughs> right over anything. He walked me right over to Amanda and, um, she, she let me sit and she, she moved one, she moved one of the director's chairs over and I sat there with them for the, for like three days. She just let me come in, let me shadow. And from then on, I asked her to be my mentor. And for the past, what, 2019 until up until now, she's, she's really been a great person in my corner. Wow. So you just never know who you'll meet out here. Um, you know, it's the, the opportunities are endless, even when they feel like they have ends like they're like it's impossible nothing's impossible um but timing is everything i realized that when i first got out here had i started to work you know at that show that cbs show that i shadowed on and ended up kind of getting kicked out the room (laughs) it wasn't my time yet i needed to go through some things and one thing about la is it will package you up a present and wrap it in a pretty bowl and it's filled with all the things you need to grow as a person. Um, and at that point, there were a lot of things that I need to really sharpen within Amanda. And it took me um, it took me about seven months to break in. OK. Thankfully, you know, my sister, she was a costumer on that show in which I shadow. Seven months later, I was working at USC. I had finally gotten a nice full-time gig. You know, I'm I'm a social media marketing manager for the women in science program. You know, I'm tooting my horn, but I'm not forgetting what I came out here to do, you know. But in the same breath, you gotta you gotta eat. 
you know? Right. right. You got to pay bills. You got to, you got to hustle up. Um, I got a call or I got an email from the production coordinator. And for those who don't know what a production coordinator is, I'm sure Ray will go over the the details in which these job titles and what they do. But essentially, <laughs> the production coordinator is um, head of the PAs. And um, I got an email. They said, you know, can you come by um, the office? Because I had popped my head in a couple times because, mind you, like I said, my sister worked on the show. So I came to a couple show nights. This was back when we had an audience. And, oh, yeah. you know, it was a good time. It's still a good time, but it was a different vibe. You know, remember those audience? Pre-COVID. <laughs> exactly. It's like a a Friday night game or something. It's just, it's fun. That's off the chain. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Energies. Uh, yeah, Energies at a high. Real. Exactly. So, um, at any rate, I get an email from the production coordinator at the time. Um, he says, Hey, just come by. We want you to come by the office and just, you know, talk to us real quick. Now, mind you, I'm dressed. I think I have on like a, a camo, uh, cut off vest, black shirt, vans. Like I'm nowhere near dressed. <laughs> Walk into the production office, not realizing it's a um, an interview with the UPM. So I'm like, ooh, I'm not dressed, but you know, I'm just gonna go ahead and be me. That's all you can do is be you. Right. Um. So I interviewed with the UPM, and you know, I was not prepared at all. Resume had no previous PA work on it at all. He really took a chance on me. And he was actually one of the producers of my favorite show coming up. And this is why I really, this solidified why I wanted to be a writer, a different world, that show. Um, But working on the show I was interviewing for and then got the first PA, you know, position on, um, he's the, he was the producer on that. And the first AD, which is the first assistant director, was also the director of a different world. So it was just, it was just all coming back, you know? Yeah. It was my first show and I was working with these, you know, vets in the game who I watched their show as a little girl on TV and they were the magic behind the screen that made it happen. So it was just, you know, a full moment for me. Um, At any rate, I interviewed, I pretty much told um, the UPM that I don't care what I do. I can sweep outside all day as long as I see stage two. And he said, come back tomorrow. And he gave me a chance. And from there, I started working. Wow. And like they say, it's true. Once you really get your foot in the door, you're in. Especially if you're a hard worker, you have a great personality, and you're just yourself. You don't have to be anybody else. That's one thing I appreciate about the business is the individuality. You don't have to come in there suited and booted. You can literally come in there with what you want to wear long as you know how to do the job. That makes it um, a little bit more comforting. And, uh, I, you know, going back to what you were saying, how you were so willing, you know, just to wrap cables and just to do anything and everything you could just to be there and on set and work hard. People eventually do see that. It may take a little time, like you were saying, but eventually people are going to, you know, reach their hand out and, you know, pull you up and help you out. Absolutely. So you've started out doing a number of different things um, before the industry, like you mentioned, like teaching dramatic arts and then uh, before coming out here and then doing, you know, office PA work and production assistant work. And then um, you mentioned you did some costume and wardrobe stuff. And then when I met you, 
it was during COVID time and you were doing, uh, you were coordinating the COVID department. So you were essentially running the whole COVID team. And, and I know at that time when I met you, you had already had your eyes set on writing and being a writer. But before then, when you first started, did you know what you wanted to do before coming out here? Did you know you wanted to be a writer? I actually, I didn't. I, I thought I wanted to be a director. Um, I, I came out here in 2016 to shadow Stan Lathan, who's amazing. His daughter, Sanaa Lathan, you know, well-renowned for loving basketball, all sorts of stuff, the best man. Um, I shadowed Stan for about a week. I'm, I'm always shadowing somebody. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> always. Um, and I'm like, I want to direct. And then I seen what that process was like. And I was like, no, nah, I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but writing had always been a thing for me. I'd always, you know, had a journal or something. I was, I was always a better articulator on paper, um, than, you know, Oracle. So I didn't know to answer your question. Okay. I thought I wanted to direct and I was like, Mm-mm, that that's a skill set. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just not there yet. So you'd rather you'd rather just, you know, be behind the pen and, you know, as they joke around in a dark room. <laughs> exactly. In a dark room with my crazy thoughts. <laughs> Hopefully somebody can relate to them. Right. <laughs> so now that you've been in the industry for some time, is it as great as when you first envisioned it being? Mm. I will say it has it has its moments, you know, like when you first get in, you, I don't know if you, you, you remember the feeling you just like, Oh my God, I'm here. I'm on the lot, you know? Right. I have my little badge. I got my ID, you know, I, I can get on here. I don't have to pick it outside. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But I think as you, you know, get into it more, I won't say that it's, um, a negative thing, but I think that and, you know, sometimes you'll work with people who aren't always, um, who still have healing to do, you know, and sometimes that can damper your experience in a way, because you don't want to, you know, let that steer you away from, you know, what you want to do. Sometimes it can be kind of stressful. You can, you can kind of feel down because you're like, dang, I feel like I'm so far from the goal. How long do I have to do this? But I always would tell myself, you're doing this because there's something you still need to learn. Once you learn that, you can graduate, then you go to that next door. God's got you. That's the thing, too, is um, you watch some of these people who have been in the industry for such a long time that they end up turning jaded, like what you mentioned. And it can kind of make your experience, especially starting out a little rough, because you're like, man, this is what... I might potentially turn into if I stay in this industry. <laughs> I don't want anything to do with that. Uh-uh. But no, the way you put it was um, really well put. What's What's the most important thing that's allowed you to remain um, centered with yourself? Why working or not working on set? Because there's all this chaos going on on set. What's What's something that you use as like a tool to keep yourself uh, focused and centered. I always remind myself and shout out to my fiance because she always says to stay present. You know, you don't want to live in the past. You don't want to live in the future. Just stay present. So 
that's tough, you know, because we often want to be where we want to be, you know? Right. And I remind myself to stay present, whether that be, you know, I just take a minute and look around, you know, I take a minute and I'm like, thank you for, you know, blessing me with this position to work. Because I know there's so many people that wish they could have this opportunity and experience I'm having now. For sure. They wish that they could walk around set walkie-talkie on the hip. Yeah, yeah. You know? Big time. In the midst of legends. I just remind myself that, you know, you're not, you may not be where you want to be yet, but look how far you came, you know? Yeah. In such a short period of time. Because there's people that's still trying to break in, been trying to break in for 10 years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's even nowadays, I mean, the stage PA gig is is really, really hard to come by. People are fighting and clawing just to get that job. And that's the lowest of the low. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, that, that goes to show you how tightly knit this whole thing is. Definitely. Have you ever thought about quitting? Mm. What kept you in it? This nudge. Like when you when you're really walking in your purpose, it there's this like somebody tapping you on the shoulder. And that's what led me out here. And the tap never stopped. So it's almost like I don't have no choice. <laughs> like I have to see this through. I have to see it through. Right. Um what keeps me going is just knowing how far I've came in such a short period of time, my mom, my cousins, I love them so much. They're one of the biggest reasons why I do this. But as far as a career, that's not, I I would want to bring that back home, you know? Yeah. So I, and I've never been, honestly, I've never been this passionate and this determined about anything in my life. Anything. Like before I moved here, I was, I, you know, just went with the flow. Me being a Libra, I really went with the wind, air sign, just, just breeze. Wow. Here, I'm very much so more structured, more disciplined, more focused. And I love that for me. I was, I was never like that. I never really had or found my purpose before I moved here. So that's what keeps me going. That and, and family, as you mentioned. And family. Yep. You know, I wish I, and I know my grandma's looking down and my aunt and they're like, I, you know, I know they're doing some work up there to get me where I need to be. I know they are because the things have been happening, you know, pre-writer strike. Um, but yeah, my family, they, you know, they've, they've definitely been the catapult to get me out here and keep me inspired. My grandma, even when we were watching Law and Order, I can't wait to watch your program, Miss Amanda. You know, little stuff like that plays in my ear. Wow. Yeah. See, that's the type of thing that's going to be playing in your mind forever. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's strong. Mm-hmm. And so many people give up. You know, so many people. I met a couple people who even live back home. They lived out here. Um, they lived out here for 10 years, even told me, ah, you'll, you'll never make it. It's tough. You know, that cliche, you won't make it. Right. People really do have that energy. And, um, depending on, you know, what you believe in, you know, whether it be God, the universe stick, hold, you know, hold on tight to that 
because people can really take you out of your square just with their energy projecting it onto you. And it might be a day where you feel like quitting, you know, right. Where you feel like, well, you know, damn, this isn't moving as fast as I need it to. But that's just temporary. Exactly. It's just temporary. When you get asked about the industry from people that aren't involved in it, like people, you know, out of state or just in another line of work, how how do you respond? Because usually more times than not, it's people asking, you know, in, in a way of like, have you met this famous person? Have you met that famous person? You know, who have you worked with? Mm-hmm. How, how do you, that's the most common question. How do you respond to that? You know, I, I'll say like, you know, you run into people, I says, it's LA, you know, you're bound to run into somebody. But after the first couple of days or first couple of weeks of you being out here, it's, we put on pants the same way. You might have some more packaging down there than me, <laughs> but <laughs> we put on socks the same way. Yeah. You know, I always say that, but I definitely get a lot um, from people back home. You know, they they like to fabricate it more. Well, you know, she out there, she worked for Netflix. She, uh, you know, I think she direct out there, which I love because they're manifesting it for me. You know, they painted a lot more than what it is, but when you come from a small town, that's what it seems like, you know? Right. So you don't ever get uncomfortable with, with that type of, those type of comments and stuff like that. I would say at first it did, because I would be like, you know, uh, you know, no, I'm not there yet. You know, no, I'm, I'm actually an assistant. And they, and they still flag it off. Like, uh-uh, you direct it. You, you gonna be there, you know? And I'm like, I love that. Thank you. Um, but now when I get it, I, you know, I just kind of elaborate a little bit more on what it is that we, you know, that we do out here. Right. Um, just so they know, like there's, there's steps. Like if you were to work in the office, you know, you have your, you know, your receptionist position, and then you might have your HR position. You might have something in between that. How do you deflate from like a stressful or busy day on set? like a long 16-hour day? How do you deflate from something like that? Always turn on 90s R&B music. That get me out of anything. Any stressful day. Uh-huh. <laughs> and you know this too well. Like, <laughs> I do. I'm going to play that one more time. But that is soothing. That, you know, brings back childhood memories. I'm sure I get on my fiance's nerves with how much I've played it over these past nine years, but it just does something for me. You know, it's nostalgic. It um, brings me back to my present. It centers me. We may have to play a little bit of that on this. Yeah, you know, we'll play a little brandy or something. I don't know. This is nowhere near as stressful as being on set. (laughs) Nowhere near. Is this industry the only thing that you do or do you do other things? Outside of this, I, um, I, you know, I did dabble in some DJing. I have not DJed in a long time, but, you know, with me loving 90s R&B music, it um, created a spark in me to want to DJ. So I do do that on the side. Is this Lady A? This is Lady A. Even though my cousins say that's corny, but I think it's dope. I like Lady A. Yeah, like, come on. (laughs) that's a that's a good name that's a good stage name exactly you know where i got it from sister sister um tamara at the time was working on a radio show on the show and they call her lady t 
So I'm like, I'm just call myself Lady A because I like that. That's where it stems from. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. But outside of that, I really want to get into um, like volunteering at the, the pet shelter or the animal shelter because I love me some pets, some animals, some dogs, some kitties. And you have two cats. I do. And I was never a cat person. Never. Because anytime you say you have a cat, especially in the black community, they're going to look at you like, you're dirty. You know, like, mm, <laughs> right. you know, I don't want to <laughs> eat nothing from her kitchen. Like, it was that. It was that stigma. And I was like, no, no. Um, but <laughs> I, once we got the cats and the kittens, they, I just turned into a cat person. They're the sweetest things. I used to be kind of scared of them. I was even scared when we got them. <laughs> like they, if they claw you up. And yeah, <laughs> just out of just the superstition behind them, and you know. Yeah. But they're so sweet, and they're healing. They they heal, help heal me. I love that. Yeah, animals are pets are really good at doing that. We're nearing the end here. I want to ask you if you can give a little away, but don't feel like you need to. Don't feel pressured. But what's next? Where do you go from here? Mm, okay. So as of now, I do not know. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, post the writer's strike, um, I have something in, in, the, cook, in the kitchen. Okay. Co- we're cooking up something. I'm collaborating um, with a great team. Um, and we have something, you know, cooking at a, a streaming pla- on a streaming platform that's well known. I may have written... Um, a series about a very phenomenal figure here based here in LA. And, you know, I hope that you guys can see, well, I know that you guys will see it soon, you know, sooner than later um, when we get everything up back and running. But yeah, you guys might see my name on the big screen as writer producer, maybe we'll see. Can't get too much wet. You said that, so perfectly and carefully without revealing anything, but also telling us a little something. I applaud you. You know, a little, little something, you know, just a little drop. You know, we can't, we can't say too much, but we're, we're, it's happening. It's just, you know, takes time. Just like I elaborated in the past with it taking time to me to break in. As you guys know, or if you guys don't know, once you break in, you still, you're going to be breaking in forever. Because there's multiple doors to get into. That's key. I'm really glad you said that. There's multiple doors. There's not one way to get in. Nope. You're right. You can get in multiple ways. Multiple ways. And you'll never know. No. And and, and that's, the, that's the kicker, too, is when you're working on set, you don't know who's looking. You don't know who's watching. Mm-hmm. And that also helps you be on your A game all day long. It does. And everybody's watching. Even when you think they aren't, people are watching. Right. So stay ready so you don't have to get ready. And if you don't know how to do something, figure it out. (laughs) Learn it. You heard it. Figure it out. That's one thing you'll learn. Yeah. Is figure it out. Because they don't have um, time to train you when you get on. Like when you become a PA, you just, you're really thrown in there. Right. And a lot of it, 90% of it. It's just common, common sense, really. The, you know, the things in between, the stuff in between that's a little bit more, you know, advanced. You can learn. Ray put it best. 
teach me how to do your do it your way. I haven't. <laughs> you know, how do you guys do it here? I, I don't want to. You know, I might do it differently. I don't. <laughs> oh, you're taking you're taking things out of my. <laughs> I I know how to do it, but show me how you do it. I don't want to, you know, I want to make sure I'm doing it your way. There you go. That's the perfect way. (laughs) Oh, Lord. I want to end it with a game. It's kind of like a little fill-in-the-blank game. I dubbed it Endgame. I'm going to ask you four fill-in-the-blank questions. Just answer them as quickly and you can be elaborate, but it's like a quick fire type of thing. Okay. I like that. So we're going to kick this off. Question or fill in the blank number one. My most embarrassing moment on set was? Ooh, I've had a couple. <laughs> Ray's like, if she don't answer, she, he said answer them quickly. <laughs> no, that sigh was pretty good. <laughs> I think it was when I worked on one of the Jamie Foxx shows and I might have, I might have spilled some coffee on me. I don't know. I might have spilled coffee on me. I might, I might have slid in it. I might have oh. in front of in front of some people. <laughs> and, and they saw. Yep. Mm. Goodness. We'll pretend that didn't happen. Let's. We'll move right along. <laughs> <laughs> yep. My favorite person I've worked with or for is. It would be. Our past show. It would be working under the UPM of the great Robin Green and working for Bob Hartz. That, it, it tops it. Yeah. Amazing crew, amazing team. Yeah, same here. And I, I, I was right there with you. I worked on that show with you and I couldn't agree more. The person who took a chance and opened the door for me was? It was Ron Mosley and it was Patrick Keeneland. And I'll forever be grateful for them. Love it. The best advice I could give someone trying to navigate their way through this industry is? Don't come in with expectations. Just be present and be willing to help. I really do love that. That's good advice. Thank you so much, Amanda, for sharing your journey. And I truly hope that we continue to cross paths. I know we will keep crossing paths because we're very good friends outside of the industry. But as far as working, I hope we continue to cross paths in the future. Oh, we will, because we got some stuff cooking, too. We got some other stuff cooking. If folks want to find you, you know, on socials or um, online somewhere, um, do you have any social media handles that you could throw out there? I do. I, um, I'm on the IG, A page, A-Y-E-P-A-I-G-E-0-7, because you know you got to throw a little number at the end. Um, I'm on Twitter. Optimism, O-P-T-I-Z-Z-I-M. And I I do have a TikTok, but I, I rarely get on there. I'm I'm not that savvy with that. I leave that to fiance. She knows all about that world. <laughs> but IG and Twitter for sure. IG and Twitter. Okay, great. Yeah, and I'll link those in the show notes. Thank you so much, Amanda. Always, always. Have fun on this. Good times. Good times. It's been an absolute pleasure. Y'all, this has been Crew Call, and we'll see you around the bend. Bye.